All right, clap sync. Three, two, one. Perfect. All and right. of course, right as that happens, my dogs, my neighbor's dogs just start barking their heads off. So hopefully that doesn't translate <laughs> through the mic. Yeah, hopefully I don't like sync your audio file with the dog's bark and not your clap. And then just, so it's just like <laughs> hopelessly off like the whole episode. Exactly. That would be... But the dogs are really, really synced up. Yeah, exactly. Their jokes are really landing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh my goodness. You guys, can you believe it? We are actually going to do some podcast intro shit that might be worthy of a legitimate podcast. Okay. In other words, I'm going to pass to someone who's actually good at this zoe who's going to introduce who the fuck we are <laughs> and what the fuck we're playing awesome yeah. like oh shit I'm on. i just I, I like how i like how mccoy's just like i'm gonna take the reins on this one passing <laughs> it off to you zoe back to you zoe that's what that was making me laugh about it's just like guys i've solved the equation i pass yeah <laughs> No, indeed, though, we are the Tyranny of Thumbs Gaming podcast, where we play a game each week and then we talk about it. And this week, we have our usual suspects of myself, Zoe, McCoy, and James. And then this week, we are joined by our special guests, who should be like podcast members at this point, but they don't want to officially be called podcast members. We we, We will respect it. We'll respect it. But we are joined by Elena and Raphael. They're just common guests. Okay? I don't want the responsibility of mm-hmm. being a podcast yeah. member. Yeah, and exactly. I don't want to play all these games. I want to play only the good ones. because <laughs> I, I like Elena only joins us for like the gold star episode. So therefore, when it comes to game of the year, she's like panicking because she's like, wait, shit, I go- voted gold star on all of these. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I listen, the official podcast stance is that we're very thankful for both of your uh, appearance on all the episodes. And my personal stance is y'all are cowards. <laughs> Play the bad games. Come okay, on. Okay, wait. I played I played some. I, I was there for some of the playthroughs. <laughs> and those were bad. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But awesome. Awesome. Um, all I right. still think it's a crime to this day that Elena never joined us for the council episodes last year. True? Is that true? It's true. I was there for all of the playthroughs, but I but wasn't on the, the podcast. Episodes. And I feel like I had a reason for that, and I don't know what it was. Honestly, that's one of those <laughs> things that you look back on, and you just, like, you, you recognize, like, it didn't matter what it was, because the answer was. Yeah. Like, guys, seriously, I feel like I've mentioned Demons. this before. <laughs> what? It was just a really <laughs> delayed council joke. <laughs> so we just said <laughs> demons. <laughs> fucking killed. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> you just said you didn't know you didn't know what the answer was. That's that's sure the answer. Demons. The answer is demons. No, you're absolutely right. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and what I see for this episode is a train. If you don't understand that, go back and listen to the episodes about the council and also watch our playthrough on YouTube. Um, oh yeah, tyranny of thumbs. Or do just one of those things, because you know it's a lot of hours. Or go play the console <laughs> yourself, you guys. That game is gold. Yeah. Oh my. But God. also, like, I think true. I think like, but like, gather at least three other people to do that if you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, like, 
I want to personally apologize for the production on all that stuff. Like, it's it's passable. But if you're like, why is this not as good as Game Grumps? There's a fucking reason I did that shit, okay? <laughs> like, if you want to see better production, look at the Dark Souls series. I didn't do that shit. There's a reason. Like, it looks better. But yeah, anyways. Okay. Okay. Um, true. True. It turns out you why guys- Why is this not as good as a successful, exactly. monetarily successful YouTube series? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, there's a reason. Because, you know, YouTube back in the day used to be cavalier. It used to be like, oh, my God, this guy's just uploading by himself. And um, that shit's hard, bro. <laughs> that shit is hard. Yeah. You, have you guys heard Have you guys heard all those influences you follow that always, like, they're all one-man show or one-woman show for that matter? But you know what I mean? Like, they, they're like, and you've been following them forever. And now, recently, they've been referencing their editors. Just a little bit here and there. Just like, <laughs> oh, well, I'll send that to my editor. And I'm like... Oh, that makes sense. Honestly, people who don't know Discord is pr- are probably thinking that's what we do every time we talk about Craig. We're like, ah, oh, Craig left. Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, they have nope. an editor. <laughs> they're exactly. so high up there. <laughs> Why does their editor keep leaving in the podcast? Yeah. They should get <laughs> yeah, no, Craig, because Craig they don't pay is him. a recording bot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly, if you guys knew what it took for us to keep this thing together the duct tape that it takes i cannot fucking believe it gets done but all right it gets done when we talk about the game and the game is what zoe exactly so we are actually partaking on a games block for the next couple of weeks and we decided after all the hype last year or lack of hype if you're some people on this podcast but after all the hype around hades um, and playing those games, I just got to thinking, I really wanted to have us all go through Supergiant's whole uh, collect- collection of games that they've done. So we're doing a Supergiant games block, excluding Hades, because we've already played that twice for the podcast. Sorry, guys, we're not doing it a third time. That's that. But we <laughs> are starting this week with their very first game of Bastion. And yeah, and right. and that is a really good Sight. point to make right there, because... This is their very first game. Okay, I know we all like know that, but do like but know that really. Like they launched with this motherfucker. Like that is quite a launch. So um, way to make waves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so like I mean, this studio literally launched this game and at the time they went from unknown to revered as far as I was concerned because this game mm-hmm. was rad as hell. And like you know what I mean? There's all sorts of storylines about like, ooh, if you look back, like, you know, sometimes a studio gets on your radar and it's like their fifth game. And then you're like, this is amazing. And you go back into their backlog and you realize they were getting there. They had really good ideas, but it wasn't quite there yet. And it's a beautiful process to watch unfold. That is not the case here. They shot out the gate with this game. So that's just a good good place to set us. Because, dude, we're so many years after this. And they're famous for other shit now, like Hades, um, Transistor. I, I, I don't think I can say they're famous for Pyre because has literally anyone that's not a super fan we'll get to it when we play pyre for the block i guess (laughs) (laughs) um but dude this game they were famous for at the time like this was an indie Mm -hmm. darling for sure i heard about this on all sorts of podcasts i heard about this on all sorts of things i had to play it and i mean i don't know didn't we all i mean at that time like i'm just curious can we all run down where were you where were you when bastion came out and you played that shit you know what i'm saying um, I mean, being someone who's who wasn't all that into the gaming space, I think around like I, I gamed a bit as 
you know, as a high schooler and middle schooler, but I never really got into gaming actually until late in college slash after college. So we're talking like late mm. 2010s here. Um, so I'm rather new in the actual historical gaming space itself. Um, Bastion, I only discovered because I, it was actually through college. Uh, our you know friend friend of the podcast, Adam, he had it playing on. He had the soundtrack playing on his computer, mm-hmm. and oh, it would. that soundtrack sounded rad as hell. And he's just like, "Oh yeah, it's a game called Bastion." And I was yes. just like, "Okay, cool." And I looked at it, and I was just like, "I like I said, wasn't really into I guess that type of gaming space yet." And so I was just kind of like, okay, that looks cool. I was dabbling in Portal and Portal 2 at the time. But like indie games themselves, I was a little not reluctant to try. Just like, I don't know, just it never hit my radar. Um, but then uh, in, I think it was summer summer 2014, I was playing the soundtrack on my laptop at a research uh, position that I had at a university over the summer. And my research uh professor he comes in and this guy is like a 45 year old guy i i say like that's like like a tragedy it's really not we i just are mean to say like approaching <laughs> <laughs> i just i just mean to say he he was he was a like a, an adult that i would never expect to be a gamer of course, of course. and he came in and he was just like oh my god bastion you need to play this game and i was just like really like i the soundtrack's rad i love the soundtrack he's just like oh but you're gonna really love the game and so i played it and i absolutely loved it that's fucking awesome and i will say you know adam also introduced me to this game as well Mm -hmm. like he at that time was like potentially the conduit for so many gaming experiences that i hold greatly dear to my heart so just shout out for that. I mean, he was on it. He was dialed in to the gaming space more than any of us were at that time. And he fucking True. knew. But it was so funny because, like, I wasn't dialed into the indie space. I was dialed into games industry generally and the reviewer cycle and stuff like that and IGN and all that things. And Greg Miller and I've talked about this. But but I was mostly focused in the AAA space. because, And I still think there's a beautiful thing that is AAA gaming and yes i know it's in dire straits right now but it still could be cool but it was interesting i remember and maybe you felt this way too zoe i don't know but the sell of indie games was always hilarious at the time to me and i understand now what the sell is actually but it always sounded like they would say words but it always sounded like this dude it's awesome it's this game like it's smaller and there was like less people that worked on it and like yeah i mean there's like less content there and like typically yeah it's just it's just less in every no it's not as ambitious it's it's just it's just less but they like art and you're like okay come on get the fuck out of here like what what is this like it's just a worse version of AAA games no of course not but that was my ignorant approach at the time because i was like why would i want a game made by one person when i could have one made by a hundred with some real budgets and some real graphics and the why you would want that has been answered over the course of the years we've been doing this podcast for sure uh mm-hmm. but but at that time i felt that way and so i almost didn't play this game for sure um but i did and actually i will tell how i played this game which is something that i guess i could throw to you elena because i started this game and then 
started to get harassed by a another friend of ours, but not a friend of the podcast, just because we haven't talked to her in forever, but Lucy. Anyway, she was like, yo, you got to come out to bowling or something. And anyways, that's actually when I met <clears throat> Elena. And then I said, hey, we should ditch this bowling thing because it's lame as hell. And we should play Bastion. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Instead, I'll restart my save. Don't worry. It'll be awesome. We can play it in the bed. Is this what happened? I don't remember yes. this. Yes. And you were like, no, I'm not going to ditch bowling. But like, maybe. I don't even know you. And I was like, trust me, dude. You and me in the bed playing Bastion. And you're like, okay, sign me up. That sounds rad. And that was definitely, definitely my introduction to the game. We played that. In fact, I actually had Elena play it on controller for the first time. And how was that? How was that? Is that, is that, is that your recollection of this experience? No, that's not Ooh. my recollection of this experience, but we can go with it. Um, mm-hmm. I think we had like been dating for a while before we played this, but that's not, not important. True. That part is not a podcast about mm-hmm. our dating story. Um, no, I so Bastion was sort of like my first adult game. That I ever played? Okay. I need you to stop. All right, all right. I'll stop. I need you to focus on something else. (laughs) Adult game is a totally different category from Bastion. I'm going to just put that out there. Oh, my God. We should adult game. No. Please, you guys. Please. No. 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 Reel it in. No. No, All right. Reel it in. This was the first game that I played when I was an adult. I see. Because um, I had. Like, That's a big distinction. I'd like played games as a kid, but then like I didn't. I was not into gaming in college before I met McCoy. Like it was not something I was interested in. I had potentially never used a controller before this game. I think. That sounds wild. Um, and I played this game. It was awesome. It took us a. In my mind, this was a much longer game than it turns out it actually is. Like McCoy beat this game in like I don't know five or six hours. I think it took me like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. I bought McCoy a piece of art for it. I think that was like my first gift to you was a poster of the boy. The kid. The kid. Well, because I call you the boy. Anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, this was like my first actual game that I played. Mm-hmm. That's it. Fun yeah. memories. Well, because do you remember? Okay. Cool. Ser- seriously, trust. Because I remember the other thing. There was two options. Hey, you can either play Bastion or you can come over and watch the last episode of Scrubs. Yeah, which I'm going to cry like a baby. We did, and you did cry. <laughs> and she was like, okay, I guess. And I was like, dude, this is so sad. And it was like, th- can you imagine how fucking ridiculous that premise is? Like, just going over to someone's <laughs> house for the first time and just being like, so you're at the end of a massive series and you're just going to cry? Like, is this the play? And I'm that like, this is, first date. this is the play? <laughs> just like when That's they walked down I... the hallway? I don't know. Anyways, all right. That's if you guys have seen Scrubs, shout out. Anyways, what about... James, did you also hear of this game from Adam? Is this a trifecta? It might be. Uh, so I was at that bowling night. Yeah. Um, I don't remember you guys going home to play Bastion. Yeah, but, I don't think that's um, what really happened, James. No, it didn't Let's happen just that ruin night. McCoy's story. Okay. <laughs> okay. It didn't happen that night, but it was um, right after. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think Adam probably did tell me to play this game. Uh, I played it in like 2012. Which lines up with that. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, it was, um, I think it was this game and Cave Story that were kind of my introduction to indie games. Um, that weren't like Flash games. Because Flash games are definitely indie games, 
but they have a a certain lack of legitimacy to them. Maybe it's because you don't pay for them. <laughs> well, they're um, in a web browser and stuff, like all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they like last five minutes. Um, but yeah, no, th- um, this game was a revelation. Truly a revelation in what what games could look like, what games could sound like, what storytelling could be in games. Um, uh, just all sorts of, of things. I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Um, and I've never really looked back. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Raphael, you got the shit on sale for a dollar and you were like, whatever, I'll play this shit 10 years after or what? Uh, no, so I I think I played it pretty soon after it came out. I'm really struggling to recollect like the things surrounding it. Um, but I mean, I guess I never had really thought about AAA versus indie games the way that McCoy is describing. Um, I guess I grew up with a very eclectic set of games um, in that like my family had a Mac computer and that was not great for gaming. So it was sort of a a more restricted set of games that I played as a kid. Um, And among them was like NetHack, which is like a game you play in the terminal and everything is like literally an ASCII character. Um, And my mom was just like, okay, here's the manual. It's 50 pages. I printed it out for you. You can play this game. And I was like, "Um, okay. And I was really terrible at it. Um, But yeah, so like, I played a lot of weird games, I guess, so I didn't really think about how many people had been working on them uh, or anything of that sort. Uh, but I do remember, like, when I first played this game, I was, like, totally blown away. I was like, holy shit, like, every frame is, like, a watercolor painting. And, mm-hmm. like, literally in the first scene, the the way that the narrator reacts, he's like, the kid just flails around for a bit. Like, mm-hmm. that blew me away. And yeah, so it is definitely it was definitely an impactful game for me. Um, but did it like launch me into other things? I I'm honestly not sure. It definitely put super giant games on my radar. Um, and I guess since I played literally all of their games, um, so. No, that's pretty good. We were looking for research opportunities or dating or Adam got you into it, but that was very good. Well, um, I didn't know Adam, so... <laughs> yeah, no, just kidding, just kidding. Just roll that out. <laughs> no, but it's just it's just amazing. This game had such an impact on all of us, like like even you, Raphael, and to say that, like, yeah, like it created a fan out of all of us. Did it not? I mean... Yeah, and, and I think it was also the first game where I really, like, bought the soundtrack afterwards. Oh. I was like, mm. this yeah. music is so fucking good. I just want to listen to it on repeat. I remember like pulling that shit up on YouTube, debating the legality of it as I hit that shit on loop and just played it. Like just oh my god, this soundtrack is amazing. That's my first note here. Is it I guess I wrote instantly latches onto my soul, but like music has that sound, has that capability. It's it's almost like smell. It can like mm-hmm. take you places. Mm-hmm. Whereas like 
you can watch something and be like, oh, yeah, I remember when I used to watch this. That's, like, kind of cool. But if you hear it, like, it can really, like, transplant you back to that time. And I feel like this soundtrack for me just, it's, like, a dangerous weapon. You can't just use it. So, for instance, Elena was about to play the soundtrack before we actually opened the game. And I was like, no, I can't. We can't. We have to hear it in the game because I'm not ready to go back on that journey yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not ready. She's, like, playing it a day before. I'm like, bro, we're going to play this tomorrow. we got to do it all together because... It's going to send us back there. Whew. Yeah, I think one thing I just really love about Darren Korb's music that he uses for all of Super Giants games, but I think specifically, like I said, like the music was the first thing I ever heard about Bastion. And I had been listening to the soundtrack for years before I even picked the game up. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that Darren Korb just does so masterfully when he composes music for their games is that it does feel like the music embodies the environment in which you're playing um it's such a unique sound in bastion because it's all um it's guitar but it's but it's like guitar and some mandolin and but then there's also like some industrial elements in it as well to embody like the forge and like you know the i don't know the the breakers and i i don't know like it's really interesting to play to play levels within Bastion and then the music kind of starts swelling in your head and you're just like, yes, this fits perfectly within this environment so much so. It's not just an epic soundtrack to make you feel strong and powerful. Like you almost feel like the the boys um you you feel like his weapons could make some of the noises that are in the soundtrack. Um, mm. and also I just feel like the beats that they do for, um, for a lot of the, a lot of these sections, just, I don't know. It just, it's such a beautiful mesh of elements all together. Um, and I, I don't know how Darren Corb does it, like how he has that creativity, but it is, I just think he does it so masterfully. I was thinking that actually, as we played this again, um, I was just like, this is our first game. Like, how did they find this guy? Like, mm-hmm. they, I don't know how they found each other. I can tell you. I can literally tell you. Okay. It is game recognizes game. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I'm not joking. No, what I mean is that that's how they were able to get, because we have, we're talking about it now and, and we will continue. The music is incredible, but everything is incredible. Okay, yes. And that's what I mean. Everything is incredible. But I think that, like, for me, like, the music makes this game. Like, that's. Yeah, I don't know. I would give Darren Corp like free creative freedom. Like you could like make whatever game he wants. I was like, I want. I'm so curious about like what they're. <laughs> you should make this game in a cyberpunk esque future. <laughs> like okay. I don't know. <laughs> I just the music is so incredibly good, and I agree. Yeah. So, like it matches the environment so well, and I also think it's like one of the reasons for me, like as a essentially like a brand new gamer, like trying to figure out how to use a controller for the first time. Like the music is one of the things that like kept me in this game because it's so much fun to listen to and the soundtrack is so incredible that it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of keeps you hooked. Yeah. Even when you're falling off the fucking sides just <laughs> constantly. I almost feel like this mm-hmm. game might be this, at least for me. Now, maybe not for the world. Some guys out there are like, actually, I have the Wikipedia pulled up and it's not the start of this genre. But to me, this genre of like essentially artsy games like I think I see Gree and I like Bastion helped them get there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it paved the way, and it's just the way that it's so cohesive in every sense because the music has a 
I'm using words to describe music is ridiculous, just like wine or whatever else, but I'm going to try. The graveliness to the music sometimes that like sort of, you know what I mean? Is the same graveliness that the announcer has. Like, you know what I'm saying? They one, one for one, like hand in hand, like just make this unbelievable tone to this game that is just so pronounced. And that's the thing that all of us were sitting there. I feel like being like, yeah, I love artsy games, man. Like, look at them. Do you see this? They have, they have such cohesion. Um, but this was like the proof of concept and, and just like knocking it absolutely out of the park and so like is is that what you guys are referencing that just like just just what 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 can we put to words what it is about the music that that does it like what what is that i i I honestly think it's just the the uniqueness in it like it's it's unlike anything at at the time it's unlike anything i had ever heard a game sound like um just because i'm trying to think of like past games at the time i mean like i was so used to i guess like the kind of final fantasies soundtracks of the genre where it's all just these sweeping orchestral like clearly a you know 50 person orchestra is is doing this soundtrack um you know you can hear the drum beats of the percussion uh you can hear like the the swinging of the violins and everything like you know you feel like there's this whole group to it and Darren Corp's music just sounds very contained because because it's just him playing these instruments for the most part um and then he you know meshes it all together in a music editor and you know combines it all together and I think like it's not unheard of in games but just the the music just definitely has that kind of one man band element to it that I think makes it so unique. Um, like his, his guitar skills are absolutely uh, insane, and he loves to show off his guitar riffs and mandolin riffs in music whenever possible. Where you can't help but just kind of sit there and be like, "Whoa, what's what's happening right now?" <laughs> like, I believe he's styling him. It yeah. kind of reminds People me of Outer Wilds. Mm-hmm. Like, Zoe, what you just said, like, where Darren Corpse kind of sounds like a one-man band-ish style thing. I mean, it he's obviously playing a bunch of things at one time through the beautiful miracle that is technology. Um, but I think, like, the the sound that he creates and, like, the kind of, like, it's, it all seems very possible within, like, the world and the lore of Bastion. Um, like it really makes sense in that place. And I feel like it's sort of the same way that like Outer Wilds music makes place in Outer Wilds because they kind of introduce you to all of those instruments and then that's the only things that are used in the music. And so it really makes it fit that Mm. time and place. And like really, I think is immersive and brings you into that world. Like I feel like the Bastion music kind of does the same thing for it. Like it really puts you in that environment and in that feel. And I think it it gives you a lot of immersion and sort of like buy-in immediately. Like, I was thinking about what Raphael was saying about just even, like, the first little tiny sequence of the game is so masterful. And it hits so hard between the music kicking in, which sounds like nothing you've ever heard before. And it's amazing. Um, And then also the announcer's voice, which all of a sudden starts talking to you in this, like, really deep, bassy, gravelly, awesome way. And then it kind of starts to interact with you and the things that you as the player do. And I think like just that little really tight package of environmental sound like kicks this game off in a way where you like immediately buy in and want to play more. 
And I think Mm -hmm. also just like the initial visuals and the whole like visual storytelling of the game is really well done. Like the way the pieces of the landscape come up individually as you approach them. And it it actually like fits in with the graveliness and that's like little chunks go like sort of going. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then how that's also tied into the fact that the narrator is literally telling a story about your character. Yeah. Yeah. As Mm -hmm. your, as your character is coming back, like, yeah, that... I think it's like the cohesion of the artistic vision of the game, which I, it really compares a lot to Outer Wilds and like how did they fit all these things together in such a like neat way. Yeah, and actually going back to our earlier discussion, it's because of the indie developer. Like that's how they did this. We know this now after thousands of reps in AAA studios that couldn't be cohesive to save their life. Um, but like, Raphael, tell me this, like. I've often thought, and this is a question that is often brought up in, you know, games discussions. It's maybe even tired, but it's like, why, like, why game storytelling? What do, what does game storytelling really do? What does it matter that you can control the pacing? Is it even a detriment that you can control the pacing because you might mess up the powerful moments of this game? But the intro sequence of this, which is what we're referencing, it really felt to me, do you agree with that? It felt like wow, I am controlling the story at my pace and yet it's still epic, yet like I'm adding to this epicness. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? It felt such a game way of telling this yeah. story. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think like in, in a lot of games, they're sort of trying to fit with existing storytelling <laughs> models that come from other genres like film and books. And I mean, you have like visual novels, right? Um, as a genre of game. And in this, it felt like they actually leveraged the the player agency Mm -hmm. in telling the story in an interesting way that I hadn't seen done before. Mm -hmm. Totally. Completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like one really good example that happens in that intro sequence, which I happen to know about as someone who was new to controllers and all of a sudden the land area is very small um, and it's rising up to meet you is that if you fall off the side, the announcer like, I don't remember what his line is, but like says something epic about that. Yeah. I think he like I essentially he says, says that you die. No, he, he says yeah. like yeah. kid, kid falls to his death. With you. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. you kind of like yeah. one is, and it's really well timed. Like kids falls to his death. So you like kind of wait a second, and then you like <clears> smack <throat> back down onto the earth, and he's like just kidding. And the music picks back picks back up, and you keep going. Um, and like just setting that tone of like the announcer is tied to your gameplay and the everything kind of reacts to you. So if you, like McCoy was then like, as we were playing at this time, like going around trying to like do weird things. Cause he, you said at some point, like, I think you get like interesting lines if you go do this weird stuff. Which is like a nice novelty to us now, right? In the world that we live in now, which actually I think you can reflect on and be like, wow, it's almost sad that this is not as impressive. But no as one had time. ever done that before. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think another example of the falling off, there's a part where like you're on a, a flying boat and at the end of it, the narrator is like, you know how many times the kid almost fell off the boat? And then he says how many times you, you actually fell off. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. And like, it's just, it's, um, it honestly, it, it, it's, I would think of, how do I put it? It's like, um, it, it feels like the game is alive and it feels like it's watching you and it feels like it's responding to you and... I would say the amount that a game can do this, that can be, maybe it's self-aware, maybe that's the wrong terminology, but the the amount that a game can do this for me personally is just an endlessly amazing thing. And this is why I 
really have tried to stake my flag in the ground around procedurally generated worlds and how it you have to be so fucking careful because sometimes it feels like where was the developer's influence where was the hand of the creator where was it in this i can't see it it feels like it was random whereas here it feels like the the creator the developer the announcer is right there beside you waiting for you to step next to this thing to kill the shopkeeper or something right to do something like that and to pick up a weapon to switch your build and to hear a perfect line about how if you get past the rifle the pistols will clean it up and you're like god damn it that's awesome like you're just it felt like the, the game was alive in that moment despite the fact that it had already been made and already been shipped and they had already moved on but not in your experience i mean i thought that was incredible at the time and i still think i'm searching for that in games today just some sort of the because dude i mean guys how many i mean especially with twitch culture right but like literally 90 percent of videos out there i swear are just people being like look at how dumb this video game is i'm do i'm standing right in front of this guy's face and he's not reacting and like yes it's true video games are not real and it turns out to make them real it might be impossible or like we would have a long philosophical debate and we would all get really high about like dude are we just in a simulation but the thing is this game felt more like a simulation than any game I have ever played. It felt like it was alive at the moment. Do you guys agree? You guys feel that? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like yes. it's a major trademark of a lot of Supergiant's games. Like, and I'm sure we'll be making the connections as we play through the rest of their catalog and everything. But the, that element of the, you know, the, I would say faceless narrator watching, but just that, that presence uh, that that upper that upper presence that is clearly watching every move you do and commenting on it and remarking it is a trademark in a lot of in their games for the most part um done through the old man in bastion here i'm thinking back to hades like hades the the narrator in hades would often make remarks as well they did kind of innovate on that a little bit by actually having zagreus have voice lines to you know retort back to the narrator occasionally like um and in this one you know this was their very first innovation of it though of just having a guy comment on everything you do um you know you, you get into the the bar or something at for the first time and you hit that first tragic calamity uh casualty mm -hmm. and he just says like he never really did like billy the bartender <laughs> and you're just like oh shit <laughs> like, yeah. like it, it really just makes you it, it it helps establish you know my actions have consequences and those consequences may or may not be bad um but someone is watching and taking note and so i need to be mindful of that or i need to play around with that and see what more this game has in store um it's really unique and i really love how they how they take this concept and innovate off of it uh for you know their following games as well uh with transistor and whatnot oh my god plus like logan cunningham it's really weird to me to know that this old man is the same voice who did the voice of hades <laughs> in in, in mm. Hades, like his vocal range is so it, it's so uh vast the fact that he can sound like an old man in one bit but then sound like a vengeful god in another like i i love logan cunningham's uh vocal range it's great 
Absolutely. Oh, is man. um yeah. is Zia in Hades as well? Uh that is Ashley Barrett. She does um she often is like the female vocalist that does a lot of uh like the female vocals right. for Darren Corb's work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe she vo- voices um Eurydice. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> What's amazing to me is like think about what you're saying right here. Like as in they they get this brand new game out the fucking gate. They got these voice actors. They were amazing. They developed into an incredible studio that made a game that some people thought was game of the year. Not me. We get it. But like, you know, and mm. they used some of the same voice actors. And you would think if you followed the traditional model, they got bigger. They would get someone with a better resume. Fuck that. They fa- they were like, these people were incredible once. They'll be incredible again. Do you know what I mean? They didn't, they didn't need to grow at all. They I already had the like, talent. At this point, like Darren Corb is the sound of their games. Absolutely. Like you could not make mm-hmm. a super giant game without that sound. I think just like too, the artist is the look yes. of their games. Absolutely. I think so. Like Absolutely. I think too like the art and the music go together so well that like it would not be a super giant game without those two things. Like that's what I expect yeah. and what I'm looking for when I open up one of those games. Yeah. And actually I think that that adds to their it adds to their charm a little bit. Uh artist is Jen her name's Gen Z by the way, which in this oh, whole no. thing of <laughs> <laughs> no, Gen, Gen Z is uh, I really love her art style a lot um, oh she's one great. of those zoomer artists bro trust me okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wonder if right, right now she's like hey thanks mom and dad really appreciate that um, but uh, but like one thing that has been I, I wouldn't say like unheard of with Supergiant but they they have found a core group of team members to work with and they never think about expanding or outsourcing like since now like sure they get in a couple more like uh environmental artists you know to maybe help gen z out so she's not doing all of the artistic work but like if you just because i was curious i was just like wow like I, I went to their website and i click on like you know the team thing and then they're just like hey keep in mind we're not accepting like any resumes right now because we're very comfortable with how small our team is and we're very capable of doing what we want to do with the vision we have currently we're not doing anything we'll let you know if we need anybody but we're, yes. we're cool Yes, I've actually applied group. to them because they're somewhat local <laughs> to me and yes absolutely what you're talking about like, they're very kind about it, but they're like, look, dude, we're murdering it. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm out of college. They're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I wish you well, but, you know, come on. We're literally killers out here. We're perfect. What do we need you for? And I was like, I agree. Good luck. <laughs> like, you do your thing. Like, what, what else can you say? So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like, awesome. And, you know, it's such an interesting comparison to the Outer Wilds because it really does have that similar cohesion that a small smaller studio with a bunch of incredibly talented people can do and listen you guys i don't want to toot our own horn but you know in our own small world that's kind of what we are right like we're not going to get bigger and hire some people with some sick resume we just hope that we're good enough and we'll just go as far as we can go do you know what i mean but it's the same thing it's like they came to this in the but also subscribe to our patreon yes. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <hire someone> sicker. <laughs> no but do you know what i mean it's like we picked 
who's here because we like these people. We think they're good and we enjoy talking to them. And that's the best we're going to do. And that's the best we can make. But actually, like, if we had done this differently, if we had done this via resume. Oh, so you're, you've been a podcaster for three years. Oh, okay, cool. Like, can you imagine us approaching this that way? Like, but in a way, they're approaching creativity in the same way we are, which is just get the game recognized game. That's what I mean. Tie back. Mm-hmm. Game recognizes game. So it's amazing. And, and, oh, God, it just reminds me of Firewatch and what will never happen with that studio. We don't need to go into that. But the point is, dude, like, what if those guys had the same, um, we're sticking together, we're not getting bought, and we're instead going to continue our artistic vision together? Like, they were another team that clearly was killing on every single aspect, right? But they're just gone in the wind. So these guys, you know, these guys are underdogs, right? They're like the fan favorites in a way. Because, I mean, doesn't everybody want to see these guys succeed so they can continue to do this unique thing? Because who else is going to do this? No one, right? It was not only unique at the time, like nothing we've ever heard, which is what you guys are saying, but I've never heard anything still that's like this. I've never seen anything still that's like this. So, okay. I would say that like the Stanley parable uh, really deals with the interactive narrator aspect in a very thorough way. Cool. That, by the way, is the coolest sell of that game that has ever been made. So far, the sells to that game have been atrocious to me. And I, that's not the game's fault. It's the people who have tried to sell it. But it has been bad. Really bad. So maybe we should play that game sometime. Mm-hmm. But okay. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about... Guys, um, I didn't realize I was playing Hades. But, like, Hades is like Bastion 2.0 in, like, 90 ways. Right? Like, was anyone noticing mm-hmm. this? Like, do, do you remember, like... Yeah. Literally everything. Just I was thinking like all of the the core mechanics were here. Like a lot of the weapon variety was yeah. already yep. like in place for Bastion. <clears throat> Honestly, it was actually a little bit hard to come back to Bastion because of that, because they had just refined it so much in Hades. Exactly. Right? That yeah. the the mechanics really felt a lot better in Hades, and then coming back to Bastion, it was like, ah, I keep missing these things, but I think I'm like aiming correctly. Yeah. But yeah. Like things were just like a little bit off. Yes. Yeah, hitboxes were like a little wonky, I think, uh, especially with the ranged weapons. There'd be a lot of times where I'd like watch my projectile just like phase through an enemy, but like pass it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess my cursor wasn't red to show that it Does was. Does that a, mean that McCoy hitbox. hates the gameplay of this game? So <laughs> it doesn't. And there are reasons why. And they're listed on my notes. Did I do that? Have I sold that I'd made notes today? You guys, I, listen, hey, I'm trying to, I'm turning over a new leaf. You guys. For the full <laughs> list, check the, check the podcast notes. No, check below. our Twitter post where I just screenshot this shit with a yellow background. I just, <laughs> <laughs> that's what kids are doing these days, right? Um, No, but actually I want to make a great case for why. Even though it is less refined in every way, I enjoyed the combat of this game more. So it has a ridiculous perspective, right? This isometric perspective that is another thing that is just absolutely... These guys respect what they are doing. In other words, they are just hard committing to isometric style, like amazing music, the art style, uh, like barges or something that take you from area to area. They're hard committing to that shit. (laughs) Just like, you know, they're doing it. but the thing is, the isometric style, and I've talked about this in Hades, is a little awkward to navigate. Like, you don't necessarily dodge equal distance on your screen in every direction when you dodge, right? And that's something you can um, work around, absolutely. But it is much, 
much, much less punishing in this game because this game isn't about getting as far as you can in a run. This game isn't about, you know, having the perfect run that you need to be flawless in or need to do your best in because you've never got these power-up combos before. This game, you can bring any build you want to any situation you want, assuming you have it unlocked already. And if you die, you have a bunch of second chances and it's not that hard. And you put all these factors together and it doesn't matter what HP pool you have. It's not like you're, oh my God, I shouldn't have gotten hit that seventh time because that was really what sunk me. No, no, this game is is just about having fun, enjoying it and, and soaking it up. And as a result, my complaints about the combat are are very much muted here. They still can be frustrating, but the damage that they do to your psyche when you die isn't really the same. Like I, I didn't hard fail this entire game. I did have to press start after a second chance after getting quote killed, but I never fully failed the entire game. I in fact just played it linearly and enjoyed it. And as a result, I think it really hides a lot of the things that I feel were un maybe unfair or I didn't like in a game that felt like I needed to be better or the best I could be. What do you guys think about that? Cause I'm curious if that's the line people are drawing here. Like in reality, I wonder if people fall on different sides of the fence of yes, do you like the fact that this isn't like Hades or do you not like the fact that this isn't like Hades? You know what I mean? Like, is Hades a step up from this? So for me, in combat, yes, but this was such a more enjoyable experience for me. So I'm curious if other people feel differently, like, oh, it was boring, bro. It wasn't hard enough. I love uh, dying via dodging at half distance that I thought I was going to and just getting hit. <laughs> like, you know. I'm I mean, we're curious. talking about different game genres, I suppose, because Hades is marketed as a roguelike, while Bastion is just marketed, I guess, as just a combative narrative experience. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And for sure, like in Bastion, they really, I think, do their best to make the game as smooth as possible in terms of making the combat fun, but also making it... I wouldn't say like a necessarily a breeze to get through, but like you can you can beat it pretty handedly. Like I I think yeah I only maybe like died once, um, but they're very generous with the health pots that they give you. Um, they're very generous with like all all of the uh, abilities that you can equip and the damage that the weapons do. Um, always seem to. Um, be there just to just to help you even more than you're already faring um like and you can make the game harder by equipping the i guess i think it's like the the shrines the yeah, 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 yeah. The, the pantheons um but you know if you just want to not equip any shrines and just enjoy the narrative of the game they do allow you to do that and give you the tools necessary so that you do succeed with that uh for sure um not to mention that also like they give you a shield <laughs> in this game that's sure. also like pretty handy handy and if you wanted to you could literally put your shield up and just like inch your way through the entire game if you wanted to um it works that way mm -hmm. but i i think that's honestly how i did my first playthrough not having played a lot of games at the time i heavily relied on just inching forward with my shield and then just like riddling an enemy with bullets um and you know now having played more games especially after having played hades i was doing more of i guess the more daring dodging at the last second 
uh, kind of style, trying to keep my HP. But like, there was still kind of that like mindset for me of like, I must not lose any health. But like, it was nice to have that backup though of like losing the health and being like, okay, I'm just gonna press F and heal. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I would I would just say really quickly like this. Like, there's many different ways the difficulty can shake out in this game, and it's a self chosen challenge. But the base difficulty is so brilliant to me looking back on it because I breezed through this. But okay, the base difficulty was not for me. It's for me, you, when you've never played games before on a controller. I, yeah, I want to say that like I, I remember that, I mean, especially having just watched you play, I remember this game pretty well. And I played it originally on, no, it's not normal, what's it called? Is it called like just the story mode or yeah. it's like forgiveness mode where essentially like you get infinite chance. Self-love mode. You can't die. Okay. It gives mm-hmm. you, in, you know, infinite second chances. Um, and as someone who had literally never played a controller game before, like I needed those. Um, but also I thought it was really interesting watching McCoy play at this time too because there was a lot that was in this game that I honestly don't even think I knew was in the game. Um, I played the entire game with the hammer. And, like, maybe I had a piss. I think I used the dueling pistols because they were super cool by the end. But, like, I didn't mess around with anything else. I used the hammer the whole way through. And I used my shield a lot because it's a really good shield. And, like, I, ne- I, don't- I honestly didn't remember the Pantheon at all. Like, because it was something I never... I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to turn it on. Um, but so I-, I think that, like, the I actually found this game to be really forgiving from a beginner's perspective, even though I died a lot. Um... It's just, it's really forgiving. And you can, I think the ability to sort of choose how, what kind of level you want to play this at um, does a really good job and made it so that, you know, McCoy was trying to get through those dream sequences in one try and it was like tight. It was hard. Um, and I couldn't get through them in one try, but that was fine. So I, I think they did a really nice job with the difficulty here and making it playable to even the people who had no gaming experience at all. And I think especially so to those people. I'm honest with you, mm-hmm. because I think if you think about this narrative that I've created out of thin air and it's probably a lie, but that they're like starting, they're almost in a way starting this indie game, not indie game, but artsy game, I mean to say genre. It's like, who do you think likes these artsy games? Is it hardcore platformers like Adam? Well, OK, he actually does. Yes. And so they did cater to him a bit. But it's also people like like you. It's people like Zoe. It's people like fucking Linnea like it's people like me at the time who had never played a platformer it's like we like the artsy components to it but are we quote good at this no and they have such a good understanding of that because if you're there to enjoy the art and the music and the announcer and the way the story responds to you and then you get hard stomped by a boss like is that the experience you're looking for no and they avoid that I think pretty hard with this game which is is really elegant like they deserve that that was very intentional um and i think playing but they best. also yeah. have like farming mechanics mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like hardcore shit so that you can you can beat all the like weapon challenges mm-hmm. like all that stuff is what i would consider like <laughs> like capital g gamer shit <laughs> Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I hadn't thought about how approachable the game was, but I think it's actually a really interesting way to look at it because it's not like they, they made it easy. It's that 
they set up the way that the difficulty works so that you can challenge yourself if you're up to it or you can be yeah. forgiving yes. if you want to and a lot of games i think try that and don't do it well and yeah just like the seamless way that they managed to do it in bastion is actually really impressive you know with you like it, it's not obvious it's just like it it works so well that you don't notice mm-hmm. yeah well, yeah, and I think a lot yeah. of times when you look at, like, the difficulty options that are being offered of, like, story only, easy, medium, like, hard, like, survival, a lot of times the main difference between those is, like, ah, oh, the enemies have more hit points and they do more damage. And they, they took a really different route towards difficulty here that I think just works a lot, that just feels a lot better, maybe. Isn't it that yeah. it works better? Like, yes, that works if you give an enemy more health and they do more damage to you. Like, that does make it harder. That's true. Yeah. But the, the the way that they've done difficulty in this game it just feels better as a player. Um, and some of it's, like, kind of interesting. I mean, McCoy had an option turned on in the Pantheon where every um, every creature that you kill like drops a bomb essentially and so you have to get away from those and that's it's not just like oh they have more hit points and they're harder to kill although i think we might have also had that turned on potentially but they also like have kind of an added mechanic that makes you have to dodge and if you forget you get it so it it adds different things to the game that makes it challenging it allows you to choose what you want to turn on and what you don't and really kind of design your own experience but in an enjoyable way that feels good instead of being like a it's sort of just cut and dry, like, you got one-shotted. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. and and so then let's take ourselves down the lane towards AAA games and think about how they approach difficulty. Just for a minute, um, there's obviously many different ways that they do it, and some do it better than others. But, like, for instance, that choice at the beginning, which does happen in this game, do you want to do uh, essentially ultra-easy mode, story mode, or do you want to do, like, normal? Those are your two options. But that question at the beginning of a game is a ridiculous question because the user the player has never played your game before they have no idea whether it's too hard or too easy and they never will at that stage of the game so this game does ask you that question but then and it's a basic one it's like hey man do you like do you know already that you want out from this shit or you trying to play the game but then if you're trying to play the game they do like you guys have said already like particularly they do so many different ways where you can self-select difficulty you can self-select your builds you can try things that you're comfortable with you can go outside your comfort zone you can do last minute dodges you could be more defensive with your shields and so all of that difficulty slider in a way is happening in the game um as opposed to before you've even played it at all and so keep in mind AAA games i should give them a little more credit they have solved this in some way they let you change the difficulty during the gameplay but it is nothing like this it's nothing like this this is the most approachable difficulty game. That's not the most, but it is a lot. A lot. Very nuanced. Very nuanced. And to me, I, I, in terms of difficulty, I think there's really only two different things you should really approach. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's more. Maybe I haven't thought this through. But it's like you either have a game that's like Dark Souls where it's like this is the difficulty. The end. It is a bar. You have to crest it. And that's awesome because then everyone can say we crested the same bar. Now, of course, advanced players would say, oh, yeah, but you farmed a little more or whatever. Like, okay, okay, there's also some mechanics in there. But the point is, if you beat that boss, you beat that boss, right? That's awesome. We all have a unified difficulty. Then it's an experience we can all share. Or you make something that is approachable that can meet someone where they are. 
and you try to go really hard to meet them where they are so you can get them to the experience. Either of these are totally valid. I think decide where you want to go and go for it hard. And this game wanted to be approachable and it went for it hard. And I know a bunch of people that would not consider themselves good gamers that got to enjoy this game. And that's fucking awesome. Why should you have to be a good gamer to enjoy something as beautiful and as wonderful as this? You shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's a great choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, again, it's like they, they've kind of, they innovate on this in a way. But another thing I thought was really cool that they also do that is present, um, I think, in some of their their later games as well, but they also kind of have the added challenge element of the Proving Grounds. Um, I don't know how much you guys uh, dabbled in the Proving Grounds yourselves, but like, they do have, on top of just the story levels that you go through, they do have these, like separate challenges that deal with one particular weapon um that rewards you with uh crafting supplies to upgrade your weapons and whatnot um and so that was also just another cool i guess puzzle element to the game a bit uh that you could do or you could just kind of test and hone your skills and some of the proving ground tasks are time-based and so you know for people who like to speed run through shit i'm sure that's awesome for them um there's other more slower things of like okay you just have to clear all these targets in five shots or less so you have to kind of puzzle out okay like how can i group all these targets up together and shoot them all at once like i thought those were also some cool like other cool added challenges uh, that you could put on there where they give you, you know, the thresholds that you need if you also wanted those extra challenges. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I want to call James out specifically for this. I'm just curious. Like, I feel like we talked about this, but dude, if we didn't and I'm just setting you up for nothing. Nice, bro. Welcome to the podcast. Um, <laughs> But how differently did you approach those sections this time around? Because when I was younger i was like bro i'm gonna smash my head against this for hours and days because i've got no schedule to attach to james did you do all the all the challenge grounds this time around <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah so definitely the first time i played this i was like i'm a good gamer <laughs> i'm gonna be able to like get first place on all of these and then i beat the game and i got first place on like two of them and I was like, when I beat the game, I was like, you know what? I don't think I ever have to go back to that <laughs> <laughs> and finish those. Um, and this time around, um, I played the first one. I instantly got second place. And I was like, cool, I'm never going back to that. Yeah. And then I played <laughs> the second one. And I got third place. And I was like, cool, I'm never going back to that. Yep. And then I continued... Until I was like, you know what? I don't think I need to do any of these. And I didn't do the last six. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I that's, didn't even go into them. That's super reasonable. And I, I just want to contrast that, James, because I am with so with you. I think even the, the part of like literally just ditching the last ones. Oh, my God. I forgot that I did that. I definitely did that. Um, because <laughs> Elena was like, I would like hover them. And Elena was like, shaking her head like, come on, man. You're really going to do another fucking promise challenge right You'd now. You really do it for the fire bellows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are never using the fire bellows like you instantly switched away from that weapon please don't let's not do this yeah like you just talked hella shit about that weapon why are you gonna use it in a challenge because maybe the challenge is easier than 
because what what can they really do with the fireballs, right? Like maybe it's an easy challenge. I, I don't, don't know. know. We actually just never saw it. That's true. But I want to contrast. You, you flame a bunch of bats. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for probably uh, piping up Raphael because you did you all the challenges. You have a timer and you? you have to do them. You have to <laughs> kill as many bats as possible in the timer. Yeah. So Raphael, tell us about 100%ing this game. We haven't cleared this. I don't know if you did this or not, but like, come on. I just watched before this recording. I, Raphael has 100%ed this game at some point. Raphael, I, if it wasn't this yeah. week, it was some other point. I So, I mean, I actually played this before I had Steam. So I I bought it again on Steam for this. And so I, I don't know exactly what my progress was, progress was but I, I think I went through all the challenges and stuff. I don't know if I actually 100%ed it, but I definitely... Did something like that, right? And this I just think you seems have to get to be both endings and stuff for yeah, hundred percent. I definitely had both endings. Like I, I went through it twice for the other ending. And and I say this because literally before this episode was recorded, there was literally just a group of people that were watching Raphael do this thing in Hollow Knight where you play every boss back to back. Um, as if one boss wasn't hard enough. It's every boss. <laughs> Welcome. And I just looked at that and I was like, this motherfucker played the challenges. Yeah. Like, I just know it. I just he fucking got first know place. <laughs> so fair enough. Um, you get some cool abilities and skills and stuff in there. I mean, there's some cool shit in there for sure. I think my, uh, my favorite one is final warning. Not very effective mm-hmm. as a warning. Very effective otherwise. <laughs> What is it? Is that the one where you shoot it in the air yeah, and like a bunch of bullets just rain down from the sky? It, yeah. It's like a arrow rain in a lot of games, but like with the shotgun bullets. Mm-hmm. But I just I I love the description. That's the oh, the descriptions are great <laughs> and and like I said before, the way that the announcer will reference your build when you switch it up is just oh, it's so good. It, because dude, it made talked- me want to shift up my build and then I didn't. <laughs> yeah unlucky really <laughs> yeah no yeah i mean like that that's the downside right like this is the reason why all of these other game design techniques have come into popularity is because at one point in time it became known that you know players like to choose what they're comfortable with and stick to it or at least some do and and so at some point in time this was literally on one of my favorite podcasts ever one of my absolute favorite hosts ever literally said the dumbest shit i've ever heard which was that he's like I mean, sorry, James, this is very similar to what you said, but he didn't have the same intention. So listen here. So it's not the same thing. But he just said, like, I played this one build the entire game. and The game didn't make me choose uh, a different build. And so I didn't. And I didn't have any fun because it was so repetitive. And I was like, this is a you problem, dog. Like I was shouting at my fucking phone. Um, But then, no, seriously, games since then have decided to figure out ways to sort of force us into builds they kind of do it a little bit this way because you pick up a, a weapon and you have to use it for a little yeah, bit they make you play with it for a little bit but it's really a pretty short amount of time and you know there's an end of the tunnel yeah there's an arsenal or somewhere light at the end of the tunnel there like there's gonna be an arsenal coming up soon and not only that you know it's yeah. gonna be a section that is ridiculously designed for that weapon so if you have a rocket launcher or some shit there's gonna be like nine guys standing directly next to each other just you're like gonna want that. <laughs> you know what i mean it's not gonna yeah, be so like true. a bunch of fast moving creatures so but i like that's another way that they they do a really nice job with the difficulty which like when i played this as a new player i used the hammer the entire time and i would be forced to switch away with it every now and then and like attempt to learn how to use the longbow or whatever and then i would get to switch back to it which as a new player was really nice because that was my little it was my little my little security blanket was just that hammer Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's like another play that they 
they balance it well. So like you got to play with whatever you wanted to um, and you could try all these cool builds and mess around. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. Yeah. Just very considerate. And we haven't got there yet. But if I recall correctly, what I made mental note of back in the day is that if you think... So Elena hates it when I try different builds out because the combat doesn't interest her in the same way so it's like i'm just sitting there going like well but if we use this because you talk about it for like 20 minutes while you make the decision well it's a very (laughs) important decision to make you can't i mean come on now you have to really think about your build literally during this he goes i mean if you're bored now you're gonna hate transistor that's what i'm saying (laughs) you're gonna hate transistor because transistor (laughs) is all about weapon combinations and i'm so fucking excited but okay we'll get there later we'll get there later but yes i literally said that i was like elena you're gonna have you're gonna tell the face of because so come next week to find out if i hate transistor i know true 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 (laughs) um yeah but guys, okay, let's do a little quick. I don't uh, hate transistor. Off. I just hate McCoy playing transistor. Yeah, I mean, that could be that could be the verdict as well. Thank God transistor does not force everyone to play it the way I play it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but but that's the thing. I have in my notes here. Okay, did I three times the mm-hmm. notes? I think three nice. times. I did good. I did good. Okay. Um, I have here in my notes that oh God, where where is it? Um, you don't need to optimize your build for. optimal damage if you don't want to you can optimize it for fun and that is a huge distinction from other game styles because it's a linear story based game bro and it's not that hard optimize it for what you enjoy not for a maximum damage and I remember at that time when I played games at this time I didn't even know how to optimize for damage I didn't even I couldn't compute that in my head if I tried that was for James and Adam over there in that other room. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that was what (laughs) they were doing. I was styling on people with dual pistols because they look cool, and I'm committing to that. So I think that's a cool element of this as well. Let's actually talk about some builds that we enjoyed um, because I will say I really like the sniper rifle, that sort of musket or whatever. I really enjoy it. I just The carbine. The carbine. Yeah, I was peeking people like around corners and shit. I learned <laughs> early on you could do that, and I was doing hard. I, was I know. Pl- at one point he goes, "You ready for some Valorant?" And then like proceeds <laughs> to like go and try, like go and attempt to like essentially jump peek an enemy. Yeah, like jiggle peek a corner, like shit. Like okay, he's jiggle firing. Peak, he's firing. Yeah. Okay, jiggle okay. peek, miss. Sorry. Jiggle peek, miss. Yeah, exactly. It's some stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, like I'm missing the whole time. Like, well, okay, I'm not hitting them, but to be fair, I'm a really hard target to hit, so damage is equal right now. Net <laughs> negative. Like, don't worry. Oh my god, I actually feel that way in Valorant a lot, where I'm like, God, I'm impossible to get hit right now, but I am also not hitting them at all. So there is that balance. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I enjoyed that gun a lot. Um and I enjoyed its uh it's synergy with the dual pistols. I don't know if that's what I necessarily used all the way through the game, but I definitely, definitely enjoyed that. Um, there's a timing element to the power shot. There's a huge range to it. And um, also I'm playing on controller, if that matters for people. I think that does make a difference here uh, in terms of aiming and stuff. But I'm curious. Uh, I'm going to call on someone because last time I said, it was like a previous episode where I was just like, yo, whatever, it's like a build or something. And then people were like, how the fuck do we respond? So, okay. So what what build did you vibe with in this game? I'm just curious. Yeah, so actually I think I, I usually like to have my primary weapon be a melee weapon of sorts with my secondary weapon being ranged. Um, but it all ended up being pretty close quarters anyway. I, I like to go with the machete 
Uh, so because that's just a very quick slash hack away at something. Uh, and then I also use the musket um, with my ultimate ability mm. being that um, final warning uh, arrow storm that would rain down as like a nice little get off me kind of move. Um, had just a lot of fun with that. I just... I, I like to I like to play around with more of the close range combat and do more dodge rolls this time around and kind of time my dodge rolls. Yeah. Uh, notably, also this time around, because I discovered the mechanic, I don't think I ever noticed this the first time I played it because I I just didn't have the gaming sense for it. But I did a lot of uh, countering with the Counter, shield, the parry this of time. Of course you were. Like what's always described sounds like Dark Souls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was about to say. I was, I was timing out, all that shit. I was countering, countering everything. And I was like, wow, Dark Souls has taught me so much. <laughs> but like, seriously, <laughs> I did a few counter sequences. And then afterwards I was like, wait, I could have just shot them in that time. And but it's then, not as stylish. It's but yeah, so yeah. stylish. <laughs> it, it is. It is a lot of fun. But that's the thing. Like once you get a taste for a dodge roll or a parry, ooh, it is sweet. Like exactly. like dodge rolling some shit that was supposed to hit you. Oh my god! I don't care what game it is. It's badass as hell, right? Like come on, man, right? Yep, I was channeling my Dark Souls 2 short sword moment, but I was doing all short range stuff. So I was sh- short, little literal short sword with the machete, the short range with the musket, and then just parrying. It's yep. my perfect build. <laughs> see, but see, it's so funny because like, this is kind of what I feel like the podcast has been teaching all of us is that like, if you get into these games and it takes a while and you get, it takes a bunch of reps, but you will, and I, and maybe this might be true of anyone, right? Like, like maybe everyone enjoys all games if they could possibly get to the goodness there. Because, like, dude, it turns out pairing is badass as hell, and I, I challenge a motherfucker to not enjoy a sweetly timed parry. I mean, come on, when you're about mm-hmm. to get wrecked, dude. Especially like, did when you you're doing... know that you can parry in Hollow Knight? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how? What are you talking about? <laughs> maybe I'll have to show you. Ah, I see. Yeah, he might not have known that. I I don't know if I know that. But all I can tell you is guys like there's a there's a timing element. It reminds me of the feeling when you dodge bullets in the Matrix. There's just something about parrying and dodging that is just if you hit the right timing, I mean, are you not just the the sickest person ever? You're the sickest person ever. Trust. <laughs> trust. So, I think that's experience for everyone. So, whoever you are out there, Go play Dark Souls. Try to dodge some things. Really get frustrated. Write an email. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll talk. <laughs> but yeah, seriously. So awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, that's fucking rad. Also, just small subtle note. The short sword moments with that machete are all the time. <laughs> they they happen all the time. Where oh. I'm just like, go to hack away and I just whiff. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> but it's like it would be nice if you just whiff but you whiff in a like nine whiff pattern like maybe i'll hit the ninth <laughs> strike like i didn't hit the first eight but like maybe the ninth. Mm-hmm. at least this is me but like it's just like okay i'm whiffing okay i'm whiffing okay i'm whiffing okay i should probably stop because you can't really like move or anything but anyways okay i would just whiff 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 and then i'm like well fuck it i'm just tossing this machete and i'd hold down the key to do the machete toss nice very nice james what'd you roll with I uh, I ended the game with the offhand musket and the um, onhand spear. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
um, because it does so much damage. I hate it though. (laughs) I couldn't work the spear. So much damage. I couldn't work the spear. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. So is is the spear the halberd of this game? Like I'm just curious. (laughs) I'm just curious. I mean, no, I don't think so because it doesn't like trivialize mechanics. It just right. True. You just have to, you know, get the timing right on the stab. But you can also throw it like the machete, uh, which I definitely took advantage of a lot. Um, and I think unlike the machete, it pierces. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I might have done the rocket for a bunch at the end of the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, the rocket's super cool. Once you learn that you can, at least on controllers, use maybe, the rocket. Yeah, use the rocket. You don't really all. go back. Well, yeah, it's true. because like so. Okay, so maybe on PC it's different because you can like aim or something, and that's strange. I wouldn't know anything about it. But yeah, con- aiming is overpowered in this game. I was using the controller, and aiming is is like something you do every tenth shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you can kill a lot of things from, like, legitimately outside their range, and they're just sort of like, well, it's a game, <laughs> and they just die. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, at least on controller, right, if you hold your shield up, it will do the line indicator to say that you're locked onto someone during your block. Right. And that's... Yeah, you have that on PC, too. Okay, so that is the mm-hmm. moment that you know that you can line your rocket launcher up perfect. And so it's like you mm-hmm. approach with shield up, seeing someone at the distance then you're like okay cool got him and we did that we did that a lot for sure mm-hmm. okay so yeah. then Raphael, what build did you do or a bunch of different builds or what uh yeah so i sort of had a rolling build i mean as you get new weapons i like replace them uh but i was doing uh something similar in theory to zoe with the like uh uh, main hand melee and uh, alternate ranged. Although I was actually using the ranged a lot more often. Um, so let's see. I did like started out with hammer and bow. Uh, I eventually started using the scrap musket in place of the hammer um, because I was mainly using the ranged thing. The musket was sort of functioning as a get away from me. Get <laughs> off me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I upgraded to the carbine in place of the bow. Um, and then, of course, like, once you get the Calamity Cannon, I was just like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Dude, you guys, one thing I want to just shout out real quick, and I forgot to write it in my notes, but um, <laughs> is this working yet? Come on, please. Um, but is that, do you guys remember the upgrade trees for these guns? First of all, that's cool weapons, I should say. There's all sorts of upgrade trees, but was anyone just like I almost wanted to like like write a letter of thanks, but you can switch your build on the fly without paying anything or like doing anything. You can just do whatever the fuck you want if you've unlocked it. And I was like, just thank you. Just thank you. You know what I mean? Wait, you mean like you could switch the option the tier option? So so yeah. let's say like there's a single weapon like the machete or something, and I okay, that's a terrible example because I don't know what it upgrades with, but like uh, for instance, the get off me musket can either be something that you spec towards further range and more damage or 
larger spread and more knockback. And so that's sort of two the two different distinct builds and you can choose from. But at any point in time, if you because when you're every time you're buying a tier, you know, it costs a certain amount of the souls mm -hmm. currency and you can buy left or right. You can switch left or right after you bought that tier at any time for free. Oh it my God, I never even yes. thought to do that, but that is awesome. <laughs> yes, it's completely unlocked. Like, hey man, do whatever you want at any time. And it is just like, thank you, dude. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that like just gives you even more like ways to play around with the build without it you feeling like you need to grind. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they also shower a motherfucker with currencies by the end. They're just like, dude. Get them all. <laughs> and they also have that fucking lost and found house that's just sitting there like, did you miss this? Because I remember the first thing I did was spam the attack button and accidentally jump on a skyway back to my fucking town one day because I was slashing through bushes or some <laughs> shit and I just like jumped back to the town. And I was like, ooh, we should have gotten left. And I'm like, oh, God, I didn't mean to do that. And then I instantly like walked over to this thing and just spent a little money and got that upgrade resource. Call it a day. Like, dude, so friendly. Like, hey, mm -hmm. did you miss this thing? All good. Like, can you imagine the alternative? We've all done this, especially at this era of gaming, where instead, guide on the side, right? Guides on your, like, laptop you'd write essays on, right? No, okay, but then we're probably playing on that shit, so is the guide on your phone? I don't know. But the point is, you got a guide on a separate device, right? And you're sitting there like, okay, I got to rerun this level, and then I got to go, okay, so we go to the main section, and then we go left, and then right, and then left. And that's the upgrade material. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> got to like, hit shit. X on the wall. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, how dare you? That is, oh, <laughs> it hurts everyone's souls. Dark Souls 2, a heartbreaker. Um, <laughs> anyways, oh, God, that's a nightmare. But, yes, like... Can you, like, I have run multiple levels of games a lot when I was younger, like, in turn, to get the right upgrade material, to get the right thing that was hidden underneath the waterfall, to get the thing that was left instead of right. This game, no, man, if you want it, it's all good. You just buy it. There you go. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, this is, like, all the stuff that it does that it builds together to just be kind. Just be kind yeah, to you. I, I think that can go into... One of, like, the very pleasant surprises I had playing this game after playing the amount of games that we have for the podcast and then coming into a game like Bastion, it was a very pleasant surprise to me to... I, I just think this plays into the, the feeling I had playing the levels in this game, how short and sweet they were. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, like, to the point, there wasn't a lot of backtracking or side, you know, side path exploring as much like sure some some levels had multiple ways you could go but like you would reach a dead end like pretty quickly if that was not the like the intended way to go to progress the story um and i don't but like that was oddly appreciative in this era of games where it feels like every level needs to be a 30 minute excursion that's constant searching behind bushes and making sure to like check every single pathway up and down left and right hit x on the walls everything like it was just so pleasant to just march through a world and be like whoa we're done that was that was eight minutes ten minutes like nice yeah. let's go um like because originally i guess like t as like a production note like we had planned like maybe we're gonna take two weeks to play bastion 
And then I just sat down for like a two hour period and I was already at the halfway point that I had mentioned. And I was like, oh, um, <laughs> I kind of forgot that like this game doesn't have, I guess, as much of the exploration, like the, the time consuming exploration that uh, plagues a lot of us and what a lot of these games are played plagued with that we have played for the podcast. Um, but that's a good thing. Like that that's not necessarily a bad thing to have little more explanation exploration. Like they really just were like, hey, here's a really cool level with this really cool mechanic or this really cool gimmick. Play around in it. All right, cool. Fly home. Get the shard. Fly home. Yeah, a long time before you're bored with it. Right? It does mm -hmm. not overstay its welcome. Absolutely. I, 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 we must, guys. I know it's a production note. Like, we're all playing it for time, right? Like, we had to complete it in a week. But was not everyone thankful for just how digestible this game was? I mean, it, it just, yeah. it just flew by, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to play this game. It's just, it's a joy and a breeze. I remember I was like, I'm planning to just like run through the whole thing on like Saturday and Sunday. And then I, I just like had a little gap in my schedule on Thursday and Friday. And then I was like, oh, I finished the game. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think kind of like I said at the beginning, like the first time that McCoy and I played this, I was playing. So I feel like it took us a lot. Long. Like I thought this was like a 12 to 15 hour game because mm -hmm. of my memory of playing it. But this, I think that this format also like works well for a new player because like those yes. those levels and areas are small and digestible and like yeah mccoy could run through it in like five to ten minutes now but it might have taken me like an hour back in the day because i was falling a lot and like i was having trouble with the combat or i got this new gun that i had to figure out how to use to get to so i could get to the armory um but like even then it was really easy and digestible um, and we'd just, like, play a section, and we'd mess around in one of the challenges, and we'd be done for the day. Oh, in the challenges. I thought you meant the bed again. Yeah. Um, God damn it, uh, Come on. Is this not killing it? People at home know this is funny. Or it's not. I'm sorry. Um, but, like... I don't think anyone laughed. Okay, no one here laughed, and that made it definitely worse. Like, come on. Come on. Can I get any fucking support? People aren't ready, bro. People aren't ready. They're not on the right level. They're not on the right level. But the point is, yeah. No, but it's true. It probably didn't take an hour back then, but it probably took, you know, 30 minutes as yeah. opposed to eight or something like that. But it was always short enough that we could be done. It's almost like Netflix 20 minute show length. Like mm -hmm. it really like hit that. Ooh, okay, nice. Do we want to play more or do we want to go further? And it, it allowed, um, and I think it allowed the same thing for us now as, as veterans playing like that pacing situation. Where you're like, do I want to play more or do I want to be done? They The game asks you that question by natural stopping points really frequently. So you can tailor it really nice and you don't have to play. Because, dude, you guys remember back in the day, you're like, fuck, where's a checkpoint? God damn it. Where is a checkpoint? Mom, I can't go to dinner yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, for real. And so this game, by the way, like doesn't let you just like pause a level and come back like it wants you to play it in a in a continuous sequence but it is so kind about how it does it and to add on top of that you guys another thing that is maybe a production thing that we care about more because we did it in a week or whatever but the way this game signals the progress via how many shards you have it's a very clear 
like trajectory of like you build all of these buildings, you upgrade all of these buildings, and then asterisk, you're done. You know what I mean? It it's it really is like something that it visually in the hub world is showing you your progress and telling you without a percentage exactly, here's how far you are. Just so you know. And and I know we were all asking each other, like, well, I've done approximately this much, how far am I? And it really did come down to like well, if you have all the shards and you're getting the pink ones now, like, and you're two one in, you're you're more than halfway. Like you you are, mm. and that's just a really beautifully elegant way of uh, communicating that to the player. And uh, I just I don't know I I just I it's a small thing, but I think that's fucking rad. Like I wish more games would just would communicate to me that in, in this sort of way. Not all games, right? I'm sure there's certain story games where you want to leave the mystery but for this one it felt like it it so clearly explained to me how i was completing it and how far i was in it that i i felt very confident playing through it that i knew where i was where i was i don't know again like that's a, maybe a podcast thing but i knew where i was in this in the scope of it and that's that's just super rad yeah exactly yeah okay totally agree so i'm out of it was awesome notes but does anyone else have any notes, things I want to jump in on before we rate things? Because it has been a lot of energy for this episode. A quick so far, but we have clearly just gushed a bit, which has been awesome. Anything else someone wants to gush yeah, on? I mean, I guess like the only big ticket item really is just the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys, I guess, find the story as compelling as when you first played it? Um there are like you know there are different endings to this game so i'm i'm curious if we all chose the same ending or not um i believe there are two big decisions that you make in the game uh one is which uh there is a character named zulf um actually i guess spoiler territory i guess for the story for you listening Mm -hmm. out there in case you're listening to this wanting to know if you want to play this game getting into the story we might be doing some light spoilers here but um but yeah, in the game, like you come across a survivor named Zulf, uh, and you basically he betrays you. Um, what is the name of that other? Is it? It's not like a race. It's Ura. A, is it a the, the Ura? Ura. Mm-hmm. The Ura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he he is a um, there. There's this whole I guess conflict between the Mansers and the Ura, um, and the Ura the are. So say Londian. Right. 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 Are Mansers, Mansers are an employee. Uh, Mansers are like the workers, though, right? I think the Mansers are like a, a research division of the Selandians. Yeah, I thought okay. they were like a right. subset. Like a, it's like a job within right. the Selandian okay. society. They sound like some real anime shit right there. Like, yo, the Mansers are out to fight. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no? <laughs> All right, cool. Go but, on. uh... But like so, basically, uh, Zolf Zolf is a Yura urine. No, god damn it, Ura. it's not a urine. It's a. It's, but but what is a person who's a Ura? Just he's a he's an Ura. I yeah, guess? I think it's just days. I don't okay, know. Well, well, that works. They're gone. Anyway, the point is, he betrays you, but later his own people turn on him, uh, and they leave his battered body. And so, did you guys choose to? go your own way without him or did you pick up his body to uh make your way through the rest of the band of ura people 
honing down on you. Uh, I, I guess I him. should toss it. I'm sorry. I did. Yeah. I did exactly I what McCoy's talking well. about. <laughs> I, I went first. I saved him. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Thank you. Um, I really felt like Ceylandia just fucked over the era. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, screw it. This guy has extremely justifiable rage. And he actually was doing his best to promote peace between his people and Ceylandia. And then, you know, he deserves my help. Well, and also, like, your character's actions are why he is battered there. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So then we all we all chose to carry this guy. Yeah. But also, like, quick note, though, like, I mean, you just heard us try to explain the lore of this game. Like, listen, I love this fucking game, but is the story really the deepest shit ever? No, I don't know. I, and that's okay. The first time that we played this game, I was so focused on the mechanics and just being able to play it that I didn't really understand or remember the story sort of in any way. But the second way through, the second time through, I like listen to the dialogue that the narrator says. Sometimes you would talk over it about your weapon choices. Um, <laughs> Unreasonable. But no, I, I thought the story was like reasonable. Like, okay, not the deepest, most incredible story I've ever heard in a video game. No. But like, you know. I thought it was interesting. Let's put it this way. Think about it. In, let me do this little switch on you, right? For an indie game like this and for an artsy game like this to not really have a deep story but in yet, and yet be insanely compelling is like a heroic feat on the rest of their components. Do you know what I mean? Like the music had to be that fucking good. Yeah, but the I'm curious what other people good. think about like the designation of it as not a deep story. I think it had really good world building and that's actually mm-hmm. probably the most important part of a story. So it's like... Yes, it's not a super intricate story, but like it did have its twists and turns. In fact, like it, it had the whole unreliable narrator yeah. as an aspect yeah, to it. True. Um, and also the fact that he was telling the story to Zia the whole time, mm-hmm. which yeah. is why he would say no ma'am occasionally. Yeah. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like an interesting, quirky way to talk. And and like it's like you can you can simplify the setting but it like all of the weapons had their own stories and how like they were like the favored weapon of some faction like yeah. the, they were the yeah. breakers and there were the brushers um and the mansers and the mansers <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i think it had a really interesting story absolutely i would and, agree and with that in fact i remember the sheriff's uh icon mm-hmm. And the way that they interplay that and eventually it just says, here, kid, you deserve it. Like, I remember that, bro. Like, so just the building around that object, they definitely had a lot of building around, of world building around these objects and these weapons and these these characters. And so, so fair, so fair. Um, I also have in my notes here that this was back when it was cool to be morally gray <laughs> in games. Um and I felt like I was looking at this and I was like, am I massacring people? Because I am, should I be okay with this? Like, it was just like, it was one of these like weird, like, this is slightly a clash with the modern day um, and the way we look at things, but okay. Fair enough. Um, okay. Atlanta gave me a 
wrap it up signal. No, no, I was like, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. You, mis- you misinterpreted my signal. You missed it. It was a pause signal in case anyone wanted to say anything about the morally gray area of this game. Because I also was like un- uncomfortable playing it this time through. A Maybe partially because also I didn't remember any of that. So I think the first time through, I was like, this is great. And just was just essentially committing genocide, I think, maybe. Um, Definitely was, like, working on wiping out a Mm -hmm. people um, and, like, didn't realize it. And so the second time through, I was like, oh, wait, is that what was happening? Um, And, yeah, I do think it's maybe different from, like, the current gaming sphere and, like, the moral mess, the, the, I don't know. Yeah. Is it not true to be morally? Is it not cool to be morally gray anymore? I I think it's, I think it's more. In... Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like I I think games still play off of the morally gray area. However, I do think maybe it's expanded to different areas of morally gray. Like, I feel like games these days like to play off of the whole. Well, actually, no. I mean, I I. I, I would actually argue, like, I think games still still do the morally great thing. I think of games like, um, you know, like Last of Us Part Two, um, and ev- and other major narrative games like that, where it's like they play off of these ideas of when does vengeance go too far, and you know, when do when do you you know do you lose your humanity if you if you are out for blood too much? Like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like games still often love to play off of that morally gray and really try to and make a player think. Um, like, I do admit, like, yeah, playing this, like, I, I honestly didn't recall much of the right. story uh, the first time I played through. And I agree with Elena. I think that was because the first time I was playing, I was so focused on the combat that, even I, I was missing those story beats that the narrator would say during the combat. Mm-hmm. And he does yeah. say some mm-hmm. very, um, I like, I, he does say some very, uh, like notable bits sure. in those, uh, as you're fighting, uh, that I picked up on this time around. I'm like, Hmm, wait, I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> like, wait, why am I doing this? I'm killing all these creatures, but it's for the better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> these creatures, are just... they look awfully like, humans it's like uh uh-oh yeah but um but yeah like i i think i i think it's just uh, i i think it's something games still do um well but but let's let's i will just dig slightly deeper into the idea but we don't need to go too deep but for Raphael to answer your question it's and i think this game still is in the modern style of it so it fits but there was a time when morally gray was enough to be cutting edge like as in posing the question and showing both sides with great articulation was enough to say you are challenging ideas often now you can play a morally gray story but you have to have a stance on it and you have to make that stance kind of win in your game and so fair enough like that's my interpretation i said it all like it was fucking fact it's not fact that's just my read but this is, to me, it reminded me of an era where you could just do some genocide in the game and then be like, morally gray, bro. What choice do you want? And I was like, what the fuck? It just, just a little, just a little. Like, you know what I mean? In the sense of, I, I immediately thought of the article headlines and bodies that I could have seen written about 
this. Like, just in the sense of, like, this was a fan favorite at the time, universally accepted by literally everyone and everything, including us and including everyone. But I, I do think, like, wow, we have grown and changed from what we accept in a narrative. And I think people might have wanted a little bit more out of this, I think. So are you arguing that it it's more dangerous territory now to be gray and you have to take the socially acceptable stance? Um, like, I think that's maybe like, yes, basically, basically, yes. I think it's a little bit more subtle than that as in you should have undertones of a correct stance in your morally gray. Yes, I think that is, but I think that's a fair categorization of what I'm saying. And I just, it was brought to mind with this game. I don't know if it even fits the best, but it was brought to mind as I was like, holy shit, I don't remember killing all these people. This is crazy. Um, there you go. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Anything else here? Um, oof, God. I think we might be at the point where we review this thing. I was going to say, I think... I mean, unless anybody else has any any other any other thoughts pointers i guess actually there was the the final decision point actually we're missing oh, okay, one big sure. decision point in the game actually okay um sure. did you guys decide to evacuate or restore the bastion evacuate Ooh. Mm-hmm. i evacuated oh, i restored restoring is an i evacuated from my perspective i know Agreed. i th- i sort of think i think that essentially what the with the games kind of signaling to you was was like okay if you restore the bastion like it's just it just happens again probably like the same cycle happens again or you can evacuate and kind of like go create new life so you're telling me i accidentally chose the roguelike option like how the fuck did i (laughs) do that actually yes (laughs) you initiated hades protocol (laughs) man fuck well So I think like the first time I played, I restored and then it just like puts you right back at the beginning. And so then I played through again and then I evacuated. (laughs) You're like, get me out this. (laughs) Well, I mean, it kind of made me think like, oh shit, I made a mistake and I want to fix it. Beautiful. Mm. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that I did that. Like when I was making this choice this time. I thought that last time I had restored the Bastion. Um, so I evacuated. And then the second I did that, I was like, wait, this looks super familiar. Mm-hmm. I think I just made the same choice twice. <laughs> I mean, at least that means that like, your values are consistent. Yeah, he's a consistent motherfucker. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess so. Mm-hmm. I, I was exactly in James's boat. I was like, I want to do the decision I didn't do on my first playthrough, and then I chose the one that I did end up doing on my first playthrough. I'm like, well, so, okay, <laughs> consistency is key. So there's two angles you can look at this here. There's either you guys are incredibly consistent humans, and you should be proud of that, or you're incapable of growing. And we'll figure that out on the next episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, well, I, th- okay. I think I chose to evacuate Ooh, just because I was another like... Another trash I, take from <laughs> <laughs> damn damn i don't know i liked what i had established in the story wise and i was yeah. like why would i want to redo any of this right now like 
we've we've saved Zolf. We're here with the old man and Zia. Like, let's just get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Find but I think life it's elsewhere. like a sad concept too. Like, if you went back and restored the Bastion, like they wouldn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. Was kind of hinted at, which I'm like, yo. The kid just worked so hard. Like, before this, he was just this guy living on the wall. He's the only person who'd ever been to the wall twice. Like, it didn't really seem like he had anything. But now... Poor kid who was bullied to shit. Yeah, so and, like, he his went, parents died. He went into the military. Mm-hmm. And he re- And so, you know, now he's, like, done all this amazing stuff. He's, like, I mean, single-handedly potentially saved the world. It's a little bit unclear how that works. Um... Like, he can use all these weapons, and I assume he's super buff now, and he's got this friend, the old guy, and I assume, I'm, I, in my mind, romantic interest, Zia, and so, like, now they're gonna go off on this big adventure and, like, hang out and repopulate. Whoa. Wait, I'm not allowed to make the jokes that I was making, and you're suggesting this fan fiction you've been writing has been really getting out of control. <laughs> God. I don't know. That was it for me. It's like I felt like it was sad to send them back if they couldn't remember all of their accomplishments. Okay. Yeah. yeah. True. Mm-hmm. It was a flaw. Also, like, through. Zia's life was horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Unlucky. And she, she, she literally says the only good memories I have are after. Yeah. The calamity. The calamity. Yeah. And it's like she's one of three people that are still alive after I murdered the entire Ura race. Yeah, and so, she's like really pleased with that outcome. Yeah, so it's like there's three people left alive, and one of them, her only positive memories are like post calamity. And we might have to repopulate, like, do we? <laughs> Oh my god. Dude, we knew this shit was off the rails from the start, but like you it's... don't murder the entire Ura race though. Right, you don't. Just a lot. Just all of their best fighters. Yeah. I... <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's those, actually like, the the Salandians that, that, that got destroyed. Yeah, right, the, the Calamity sort of backfired. Mm-hmm. And right. also like Calandia like like sucked, like low key sucked. Yeah, but like really good music though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is absolutely confirming to me that we we're at the review section. <laughs> 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 so okay, all right, yo. McCoy. Oh yes, James. I was gonna throw to you because you are our champion. Ooh. Let us know the final verdict on this game from your perspective. Oh Played shit! It twice now. How's it going? Your oh opinion this game, is word. Everyone has to follow suit. That's right. This game's got to be a gold star, man. Ooh. This, Hell yeah. I mean, like truly this game made me fall in love with um, the indie game world the i mean everything about it is just this pure beautiful aesthetic experience um and i loved it back when i played it the first time and i love it now 
it's really incredible. Um, I think that the the storytelling that was so incredibly new at the time that it came out uh, feels much more like standard these days, but only because this game exists and showed that it could be done. Um, and by standard, I by no means mean bad. I just mean like it's a really excellent storytelling experience that holds up how many years after it came out? Like 10? A lot. And that's yeah, been 10 years. really incredible. Like most of the games that came out Contemporary to Bastion. Um, nobody considers incredible storytelling experiences. At least not innovative uh, by any means. Um, if they're incredible. Um, and nothing on the indie level. Um, yeah, I mean... Also, it, as McCoy was saying, like, jumped Supergiant Games into the spotlight in this really beautiful way, and they have done incredible things with that, and that's uh, really impressive. All in all, Gold Star, uh, I think it deserves it, Yeah. Well, as it was foretold, I will follow with suit with that. This is a gold star for me too, comma dog. Because, you know, and I feel, I look at Hearthstone, and I am so sorry, Hearthstone, because I gave Hearthstone two ratings. One was how I felt at the time, and one was how I feel now. And I'm not going to give Bastion two ratings. I'm just going to give it one. Gold star. This game is awesome. And this game was kind to me both times for entirely different ways. It was kind to me when we first played it because it was such a unique experience that Elena and I played together and it was kind to her and for it being kind to her, it was kind to me as well. And it was a, you know, I like to curate experiences. This was a wonderful experience. It helped a lot. It carried a lot of weight. But playing it this time around, it was also kind to me. It was friendlier and easier and bite-sized and consumable. And I just think back like, God, I know a lot of games that I hold in great uh, standing would not be as easy and as fun to play now as they were back then. And this game was still. So, geez, I mean, what do you want? The music's amazing. Everything's amazing. I, I'm i just so thankful this game came out and that it got to influence all down the line. Because if things were influenced by this, how could they be worse? Right? Like, I was sitting there and I was like, God, I love games with announcers. And I'm, like, thinking about Darkest Dungeon. Like, did Darkest Dungeon just get carried by the announcer? Like, maybe. No, not entirely. But damn, did it a lot. Yes. It was good, yeah. It was good. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, was that an influence from Bash? And I'm just like, where is this all connecting? But I don't know. It was awesome. So I'm just down to Gold Star and walk out. Like, I think this game to me is – I just I, – I, I just – who else was going to make this game? No one. No one was going to make this game but them, and so they did, and I'm thankful for that. Okay, Elena. Yeah. One thumb up, decent gaming experience, I'm led down. to a lot of trouble, or no. like, what are we doing here? Uh, 
No, no. This is a this is an easy gold star for me. I mean, it was said at the beginning of the podcast that I only show up for the gold stars, um, and this definitely aligns with that. I mean, like, I will say that for Hearthstone and Magic: The Gathering, you did give those just one thumb up and one point five thumbs up. So you, it's not quite all gold stars. Just wanted to add that editor you, note Zoe, there for adding to my credibility. <laughs> um, mm, okay. Yeah. No. I mean, this is mm. a this is a really like clear gold star to me. I feel like I'm also was really spoiled by this game because like this was my first modern game. Like I played this and now I look at everything else being like, well, can you live up to the experience that I had in Bastion? Um, I just, the, I mean, the soundtrack has essentially been on repeat on my phone for the past five, six, seven years. Um, I love the art style. I really like how vivid the colors are. Um, I think the world building is incredible. The announcer's amazing. And it was really, it was just a really fun experience both to play on my, well, on my own, play with McCoy back in the day when I was playing it, um, and to replay, it felt like, I don't know, it was like coming home. Mm. It was like a really, it was just a really lovely experience both times for through. Um, yeah, gold star. Fun Everyone fact, should play it. When we beat this game and when the credits were rolling, I left the room grabbed the piece of art off the wall, unhooked it, and brought it into the room. He did. Um, just because <laughs> it's a portrait, um, very minimal color style of the kid. I don't know how to describe that. Maybe I'll find a picture of it or something. But it's just a lovely minimalist, the kid art. And it's just like, do you remember this? It's like, yes. Yes. Yeah. And guys, the fact that we were like, do you remember that good thing? And it still is good is like, it makes me want to cry. What a relief. What a relief, dude. Oh, my God. What if this was garbage? Sure. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, Raphael, this was garbage to you, right? The second time through? No fun after you 100%ed it? Or... Oh, absolutely. It was a garbage gold star. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah. I mean, definitely it did age a bit for me. Um, and I think it was mainly just in that, like, the mechanics had been refined like so clearly in Hades. Yeah. That being said, like as McCoy pointed out, it wasn't that much of an obstacle because the entire rest of the game is designed around being a lot more forgiving. Um and I mean, maybe it didn't blow me away as much as it did the first time, but like can anything do that? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So yeah. This is a game that I mean even before I knew that we were going to play it for the podcast, it's a game that I recommend to people who are like, hey, I'm interested in maybe trying a game. Mm-hmm. What should I try? And I'm like, hey, you should try Bastion. Uh, because it's like, it's the kind of game that anybody can play and really get like a sense of what can be amazing about games. And it, it's amazing in a lot of ways. And it really deserves the gold star like 10 years later as well. Well, mm-hmm. all right. Break the trend right here. Don't follow from James's footsteps. Zoe, what do you think about this game? Oh, hell, you, you're putting me on blast here. I was going to give it a thumbs down. But no. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I feel like I just need to echo everybody's sentiments. This, this game's an utter gold star for me. Um, it's kind of like in a different like vein, though. Like it, It's very weird. Again, it's like I, I listened to the soundtrack first. And then since I've played it, I listen to the soundtrack constantly. 
And so it was really weird playing this game again and being like, oh, this is the part where this song comes yeah. on. Mm-hmm. I had the same yes. experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like just just like one of my like one of the parts of this game that I really like is when you are in the level where you're finding Zia and she's just singing her uh you know, she's like, I dig my hole, build a wall. I love that song so much. And just hearing it echo and swirl all around you as you're in the world, finding Zia, um, really, it's it's just, like we said, it's like a perfect culmination of all of these game elements that have just created the perfect package. Um, it's so well, like everything just complements itself so well. And I'm sorry I had to subject you guys to my awful singing. It does not do the music justice in this game, but, uh, it is, it is beautiful. Um, but I also think like, I think you guys brought up a good point in that it's like, you have fond memories of a game that you've played in the past and you feel worried about playing it again for the first time or again uh just because you're wondering will it feel like it did the first time Mm -hmm. will i feel that magic again you know because i admit like playing games for the podcast it hasn't always been like that i think life is strange was a game where i was like wow this game's (laughs) this game's jank like mirror's Um, edge is another example yeah mirror's edge is another one where that that prior magic just kind of slightly cracked for me um i'd argue that like maybe the only other series that has managed to maintain itself is um is bioshock uh just because i i am a Mm. bioshock fan um but this game it's like i played it again and i i just had fun again i was like i was playing it for the first time again it's even better now that i know game mechanics a little bit better because you know i was still able to enjoy the game but also challenge myself in ways that i haven't been able to before um and it was just magical. It was such a delightful experience. And I can't recommend this game enough to anybody who's thinking about playing a game. Even if you think that you suck at video games, there's a mode for that. Like, yeah. even if yeah. you think you need a challenge, there's a mode for that. Like, just play this game. It is such a well-contained experience. It won't take a lot of your time if that's what you're worried about in terms of time constraints. Like, it is a beautiful experience and it deserves nothing but the gold star absolutely oh my god you guys we did it we definitely did it right it feels so good to the bastion soundtrack right now i feel like i've hyped myself up too much i brush her petrol that moment where the metal cuts i'm gonna admit something yes (laughs) um i've never listened to a video game soundtrack outside of a video game Mm-hmm. Oh my God, James! James, do Zoe I and I have... need to sit you down, and we'll Once. have a long conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you like twenty playlists. We'll give you like fifteen recommendations. Trust us, and like the yeah, different yeah. times of your life that each is appropriate for. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> exactly, and, and, and this is least... your wedding soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, potentially, exactly, exactly. I feel like I no can joke make that though, work. like. Planning a wedding right now, I was like looking at procession music and I was like, you know, this track from 
this 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 track from Gree is actually uh, really good. Maybe I'll do this one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought yeah. you were gonna say this track from Bioshock, and I was like, do that's it, do it, Cohen's masterpiece. Do it, trust. Do okay. it, you oh, won't. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. No, that's on. gonna be that's gonna be mine and Brandon's first dance. Trust us, oh. it's yeah. gonna be Cohen's masterpiece. <laughs> do we all yeah. get to <laughs> I don't know how you dance to that, but I mean, they already dressed up one time for Halloween for this shit. Come on, it's so relevant. It's oh right there. God. It's right there. <laughs> Wait, that scene in the in the um, playwright isn't there some crazy fucking music in that? The in Bioshock, oh. the playwright guy, the artist, Cohen. Cohen, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's Cohen's yeah, yeah. masterpiece. That's some there. first dance music right there. Yeah. And then, then you'll just hear him be like, Fitzpatrick, and then we get electrocuted and we just die on the dance <laughs> and the, floor. And then the lights That's cut out. And then the lights cut out, and then, yeah. and then, like, I don't know, something else amazing comes up. Cyberpunk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is lit as fuck, you guys. Like, this shit is so much cooler than some lame-ass shit. Anyways, okay, we're gonna figure that shit out and really orchestrate that. Um, but until then, you guys, it has been a motherfucking ride. We are thankful that you all came on it. We're thankful to everyone here in this room, including the people that are guests that someone called them a coward earlier for not playing some of the worst games. And I don't know what was up with that. But the moral of the story is thank you to everyone. Let's get the fuck out of here. Nice, Bastion. And yo, All right. stay tuned. Super Giant Games block is just begun. <laughs>